It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Yesman, coming to you on Monday, December 17th from Corner of the Galaxy Studios. Uh, an interesting day uh, just before everything sort of breaks off for the holidays. The last week to really make a big splash with any news, unless you're going to wait all the way until the end uh, after January 1st and into the new year. And January 1st, of course, is when the transfer window opens as well so a lot of things sort of building up to that we'll see if there's any news that sort of comes out for the LA Galaxy later this week but uh, we have some stuff some interesting little nuggets that we've been able to gather for today's show and to start that let's uh, let's talk with uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter who's actually back in the squeaky chair this week uh, isn't around traveling so Kevin how you doing buddy I am in the squeaky chair. The Rams had a home game this week, so uh, I got to stay home, and I'm in the squeaky chair today. But congratulations to you. Big weekend for you. You're a grandfather now, I understand. Not not quite a grandfather. Not quite, not just, just an uncle. Just an uncle. I'm not that old, Kevin. All right? Well, you know... Uh, the, the 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 child was born. It's a it's a boy, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, his name is Jack. Uh, my sister gave birth to Jack on uh, on Saturday morning. It was uh, it was a fun Friday and Saturday uh, that we spent at the hospital there, waiting for all that to happen. But uh, baby and mom and uh, my brother in law all are doing fine. So Jack is uh, is now welcomed into our crazy ridiculous family. But uh, he's got ten fingers, ten toes. So uh, so far so good. And I have heard that the LA Galaxy are sniffing around already, looking to uh, sign him to that homegrown contract. Yeah, but see, he's got a bad future because I have a sister who was born December 23rd, and then my son was is also a December baby. And uh, having uh, their birthday that close to Christmas in the holiday season, it really sucks. They they got crappy presents I was the whole say. time they were growing up because yep. people you know save the good presents for Christmas, and then they're out of money, and so the birthday presents tend to really suck. Yeah, I was underwear gonna... and socks and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no, I, I think the biggest deal is here that whenever there's somebody who has a birthday that's that close to uh, to Christmas is that you can always double up on the gift, right? So you actually get screwed out of gifts because you don't get as many because people are like, oh, this one's for Christmas and your birthday. Two birds, one right. stone. Yeah, no, they, yeah, they, they, they peel off a gift. They gotta get you six for Christmas and all of a sudden it's five and one goes to your birthday. Yeah, it, it sucks. It's it's the, the kid's a lifetime haul over its first 18 years is going to really suck. So. Uh, oh, poor, poor thing. You know, in my family, I'm not too worried. Uh, we're crazy about Christmas, and we usually do birthdays pretty big. I think the kid will be fine somehow. But, somehow. So, so Jack, is it at, after Jack McBean? No. Why not, why not Zlatan? No, I asked for Zlatan. I was denied that particular. Uh, I was like, hey, why don't if we're just throwing names into a hat. And by the way, we didn't know the name of the kid. We knew it was going to be a boy, but we didn't know the name of the kid. My sister and her husband were keeping quiet. So um, there was no, uh, we, we didn't know what it was named. So we were just calling them all different names. I named him Zlatan for a little while. Uh, there at the end, um, you know, uh, there's, there's, I, I, I named him uh, Bruce uh, after Bruce Arena for a while. So I was just going through all the, all the soccer names: Landon, Donovan. You can split those into if you ever have twins, you could have Landon and Donovan. By the way, that both of those names well, work. Well, here's a good one. I, I know a friend who uh, is a big soccer fan, and the wife not so much. So when they had a kid, he was throwing all kinds of soccer names at her, and she was going for none of them. And then finally, she came up with the idea of Beck. She wanted to name the kid Beck. That right. was the name. Right. And, and, and so the middle name, he picked the middle name that started with M. I forget whether it was Michael or Manny or whatever. So the kid's name is Beck M. Oh, my. Oh, my. I, you know, sometimes I think we go a little little crazy on some of this stuff, Kevin. But speaking of names. Yes. Caleb. It's Caleb Porter. Caleb Porter. That is correct. Okay. Yes. Now, here's why that's wrong. Here's why that's wrong. Here's why. All right? Wait All a right? minute. No, no, no. There's there's no, nothing you can say can justify what you're about to say. That's literally the dude's name, Caleb. No, it's okay. not Caleb. It's okay. Caleb, as I've been saying. And here's why. What's the name of the university in Central Orange County in Fullerton? What do you call that university? Uh, Cal State Fullerton. Cal State. Thank you. Cal. C-A-L. Cal. What was the name of the guy? You're probably too young to remember him. The guy that used to sell the, have the great used car commercials, sold used cars in Long Beach. Oh, Cal, Cal, Cal Worthington. Worthington. I see. I did know that one. You thought I was too young. Cal Worthington. What was the right. name of the shortstop who played for the Orioles and the Ironman? Cal, Cal Ripken. Ripken right. Yeah. You're, you're mis- Cal, and then E-B is Eb. Caleb. It's not Caleb. It's Caleb. I'm you, sorry. You, you know the E makes the A long, right? I mean, you're, you're a writer. I would expect you to understand how words work, but Caleb, that's how it works. 
Oh, Kevin, you spent way too much time trying to justify that. But yes, Caleb, Caleb Porter is what it was. And, and you won't have Doesn't to worry. Matter. I was going to yeah. say, you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about that, Kevin, because he is not coming to the LA Galaxy. The funny thing is that you and I recorded last Monday. And right after we got done recording, after we had said, hey, you know, it still looks like Dominic Kinnear is going to be the guy, blah, blah, blah. We went through the whole thing. As soon as I hit the stop button, we got a, a message and basically we went and checked Twitter and we were able to see that, that Caleb Porter was sitting, you know, courtside with Chris Klein and, and Dan Beckerman there at the, uh, at the Lakers game. And we had to go in and re-record a segment that then interrupted our own show in the middle. By the way, the, the drop, and, and it's this drop. Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato. 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 And Panda. Panda. In the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. Yes, that drop right there almost crashed several cars on the 405 and the five freeways in their morning commutes whenever we interrupted that. So, I mean, Kevin, it's crazy that you and I had to do a U-turn in one of our own podcasts, break into our own podcast, re-record a segment that literally just sandwiched in between other things. There was no transition for it because there was no way for us to get the information that we just got into the show without doing that. So we did that. Uh, Then we go through the rest of that day. That was uh, Monday night. Then we go Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, finding out that Caleb Porter is now the number one choice for the LA Galaxy. And then on Thursday, we find out that everything has just U-turned completely back around um, and that Caleb Porter is instead going to the Columbus crew instead of the LA Galaxy. And that's where we let it was. It was a crazy week. It, w- it was nuts. Shall we talk about how that happened? Yeah, let's let's break it down. I know we talked about it on Thursday night, but you know, now being a little separated from it and, and certainly being able to talk to Kevin, we get a little bit more clarity on how yeah, this all goes on. Well, so go for it. I wrote about it uh, this weekend, and I got a lot of uh, response from fans. Uh, I said that the Galaxy got two of the three things right last week, and that the one that they didn't get right was uh, the hiring of Caleb Porter, that that fell apart. And people were saying, oh, no, this is a good thing. The Galaxy dodged the bullet. My point is... Uh, the whole Laker thing, people were telling me too, can't can't they just go to a Laker game? Why can't they just go to a Laker game? They can. But when you make the decision to not sit in the luxury box or to not sit in the nosebleed seats or wherever you're not going to be noticed, when you make the decision to sit in the spotlight uh, along you know, the, the sideline, and when you sit courtside at a Laker game, that everyone who lives in Los Angeles knows that is a message. That's why you see Hollywood celebrities uh, sitting there before they announce a new movie role or before they announce a new concert uh, schedule. That is a place to be seen, to make news. Courtside seats at a Laker game have a premium and there's a message behind them. And I don't think you sit courtside at a Laker game. If you say, Hey, we're in, we're talking to this guy. We might make him our coach. We might not. I think you set courtside at a Laker game when you want to call attention to yourself. Uh, the day after Ramon Alessandrini signed a couple of years ago, he sat courtside at a Laker game. Uh, when the Chris Klein was negotiating with Jermaine Jones, he sat courtside at a Laker game. I think the message was we've got this thing done. And it wasn't just people said, well, Chris Klein and and Caleb Porter were college roommates. They just wanted to go to a basketball game. Fine, go to a basketball game with Chris Klein, but don't take Dennis DeClosa and and Dan Beckerman, uh, the CEO of AEG, don't take them with you. I think there was a clear message in there, and I think at that point, the Galaxy felt like this was a done deal. I I just don't see any other way for them to go out and and make that public a spectacle unless they felt like they had a good deal. And so that was where the embarrassment was. I wasn't making a comment on whether I thought Caleb Porter was the best coach or not, it's just that that seemed to be a a real um, big mistake by the guy, an embarrassing mistake by the Galaxy to to sit courtside a Laker game and then have this thing fall apart. Now, why it fell apart? I'm hearing a lot of different um, uh, different reasons for that. The first one, the one that seemed to be the most prominent, was that Caleb Porter wanted a, 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 an extra year added to the contract. I'm told Columbus made him an incredible offer. Um, that included multiple years, and it was a very lucrative offer that the galaxy certain that the galaxy just weren't prepared to match. You know, they are still paying as of right now. They're still paying Kurt Anafo, and they're still paying Ziggy Schmidt, and they're still paying Dominic Kinnear for that matter. So they have three coaches on the payroll right now, and they didn't want to add a fourth at multiple years if it didn't work out. Remember, the last two coaches didn't even last the full season. So that's what the galaxy did. I'm also I'm also hearing from the galaxy that Dennis DeClosa decided that that Caleb Porter was not a good fit, that he wasn't a, a good fit for a, a big marquee team like the Galaxy in a big city, that he's a fine coach. You know, he did really well at Akron, did really well with Portland Timbers, but wasn't ready to make that step up 
there's been a lot of concern too that a guy like Caleb Porter with a big personality would not be able to uh, coexist in a locker room with Zlatan uh, there and his personality. You know, Zlatan is behind the scenes influencing a lot of the shots that the Galaxy are calling. So that could have been part of it. But in any case, whether it, uh, on the Caleb Porter side, they're saying it wasn't enough years, the offer wasn't as good as Columbus. Columbus came in at the last second, probably had an agreement with Caleb Porter's agent to say, before you sign with the Galaxy, give us one shot to match what they did. And Columbus went better. Galaxy didn't want to step up and do that. And then the, apparently Dennis DeClosa had some reservations himse- himself. So whoever you want to believe, the fact of the matter is we're five weeks away from the start of training camp and the Galaxy do not have a manager and they haven't had a manager since they fired Ziggy Schmidt uh, right around Labor Day. Yeah, yeah, that is that. And it's interesting to note, you know, you talk about paying coaches and, and how that works. I mean, Kurt Anolfo's contract will be up at the end of this season um, or at the end of this calendar year. So ultimately that should all go away because he had a two-year contract and that would be two years um, since that happened. Ziggy uh, Schmidt gets paid all the way through, uh, through the next season, I believe, because I believe he was a two-year contract. So he's going to be the one who's still on the payroll as uh, this season starts and, and, and won't, will no longer be with the club. And it would be interesting to see what sort of contract Dominic Kinnear had um, and whether or not he also had, you know, a two-year term and, as an assistant coach and, and therefore getting paid as, as an assistant or as an interim or however that ends up making things happen in, in, the, in the short term. But, you know, all those things add up. Um, I was told earlier in the week that that Tuklosa really liked Caleb Porter and that they were excited to work together. So, you know, you start getting into this whole, oh, well, he didn't think it's maybe he's not a good fit, Kevin. And maybe you can make that argument. He's not a good fit for the number of years that he wanted. But it certainly seemed like the organization was at least uh, somewhat satisfied and, and seemed, you know, downright pleased that they were working towards conclusion with Caleb Porter there. Uh, the fact that it all fell apart uh, and, and went away because of perhaps the extra year, because of perhaps uh, Tuklosa deciding to pull the plug on it. I mean, I think if you're an LA Galaxy fan and you want to be optimistic, you sit there and say, you know, if uh, Tuklosa is sitting there pulling plugs on things, uh, then he has the power to be able to do that. And that's something that, you know, we've always sort of theorized about how much you know, uh, how, how much separation there was going to be between him and, and the rest of the front office and, and Chris Klein and Tecloso was brought in to make these decisions and do this. Um, and so it would show that he's a strong personality in making the correct choices. If you want to go, um, you know, towards the negative side of how all this could possibly play out and how you could look at it, you would have to say that the Galaxy made an offer for a coach um, and then didn't have the ability to sign and, and, and get that deal across the line, whether or not, again, you like Caleb Porter or not. I know lots of people think that they dodged a bullet and they don't really care how it happened, but, you know... It used to be, and it wasn't that long ago, Kevin, you could probably say somebody would take the LA Galaxy job at less years because it was the LA Galaxy, where a a a franchise right now, the Columbus Crew, that was on the brink of being relocated to Austin and technically speaking still is going to be relocated, but another franchise it's anyway, however it ends up happening, you know, the bottom line is that the crew were almost gonna not exist here in the next, you know, two years. Uh, and Caleb Porter feels more comfortable getting more years from that team than they do with the LA Galaxy right now. That doesn't exactly it doesn't make me feel like it's a ringing endorsement of the LA Galaxy and where they're at. No, and you're looking at a team, you know, Greg Berhalter has just left. There's a lot of turnover. You don't have a general manager at this point. Maybe Caleb Porter is going to do that, and that was part of it, uh, whereas the Galaxy just hired a general manager. You know, who knows? That could figure into it, too. But you do have a team that doesn't have a stadium, doesn't have a general manager. Bruce Arena apparently is up for that job, although no decision has been reached yet. Anyone who I, I know there's been some reports out there that he's about to be named. There's no decision that's been reached. It won't be reached until at least tomorrow uh, when the final plans for the stadium are put forth. But in any case, it's a team that you're right. It, they talk about moving to Austin. They don't have a general manager. They don't have a home. Um, you're looking at the Galaxy with the deepest pockets, probably in MLS at this point with AEG. Um, you know, they have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. They have some other, you know, good designated players, Roman Alessandrini. It's a team with a lot of resources and a lot of history. Um, that kind of seems to be the no brainer. That's where you go. Um, Caleb Porter didn't feel comfortable coming here, and, and maybe he has big ambitions. Maybe the idea is let me go someplace that isn't stable and build it and make it stable. Whereas if I come into the galaxy and I win, so what? Other people have done that. I'm going to go to Columbus and take this situation that's in flux and, and, and stabilize it, and that's how I'll make my reputation. You know, that could be part of it too. But you're right. Back in the day, and the day wasn't that long ago, 
the galaxy was the place where everybody wanted to be. And you would take less money and less years to go there and work with the kind of people they have here. Now, it, it I look at it as a vote of no confidence for the front office and for management. Yeah, I mean, you almost have to take it that way. And, you know, if I'm deciding between all the different narratives that are out there right now, I mean, that's sort of that's the direction I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards the fact that the galaxy tried to sign somebody. Um, they didn't get it done. And they now have to live with those repercussions. We knew that they were getting ready to announce you know, a head coach here, you know, earlier last week. And in fact, we had been told at one point that we thought that they would announce a GM and a head coach together. And that eventually ended up not happening. And so things were progressing. And and in fact, I was told that perhaps even a a Friday press release with a Monday, uh, which would have been today, uh, press conference. So all those things could have happened and looked like they were being planned to happen and they didn't happen. So, you know, uh, again, you can take the positive of this and say, you know, the galaxy didn't want Caleb Porter anyway. And there's a good argument to be made uh, for that. And, and, you know, some, some fans are saying dodged a bullet. Maybe you did. Um, I got, I got told from, uh, from one person, uh, who, who contacted me, who's been around the league for a while and, and basically said, uh, you know, it, it was reported that Caleb Porter would be coming and that Jason Christ possibly would be an assistant coach. And somebody said that would be an interesting dynamic, uh, and, and just trying to manage those two personalities together as well, um, would be an interesting dynamic all on its own. So there were question marks even about how that coaching staff was going to line up if it went, but having said all that, <laughs> it didn't go. Uh, and the Galaxy are now in a position where somebody asked me, Kevin, they said, hey, uh, you know, who who's the likely candidate now for the job? And I had to respond with, you know, I don't know anymore. Uh, we thought Dominic Kinnear would get the nod at one point. That hasn't happened. Uh, we thought that uh, rapidly that it was going to be Caleb Porter after his name surfaced and everything seemed to be going that direction and the entire organization seemed to be shifting gears to be ready for that and make that announcement. And that didn't happen. Um, you know, funny enough, you know, could it be somebody like Jason Kreiss, um, who had been rumored to be linked with the LA Galaxy, although that rumor was was debunked, um, and it was looking more as an assistant coach, but do you go to him? But whoever you go to now, Kevin, knows their second choice, uh, because there's nobody who's going to be suddenly come available uh, that wasn't available, you know, last week that is suddenly going to be like, oh, well, but you were going to pick that guy. Uh, if, well, you're, if you're Dominic Kinnear, you're, you're in even in a stronger negotiating, you know, uh, setting now. Well, yeah. I mean, let's look where the Galaxy are. They have it, today is uh, one week before Christmas Eve. So eight days before Christmas as we're recording this. Um, the Galaxy have been turned down by at least two coaches because we know they were interested in Greg Berhalter. He went to the national team. That was never really in doubt. But but. He was number one, I think, on their list. If if they had to pick, if they got their pick of the litter, that's the guy they wanted. So he didn't come here. Then they apparently offered the job or did offer the job to Caleb Porter. He's not coming. Dominic Kinnear has been waiting in the wings saying, hey, guys, over here, look at me. I'm ready to go. And they apparently have not uh, wanted. I heard at one point that, that they had talked to him about the deal. I know that that, that Dennis has spoken to him. Um, but that he wanted an extra year. And the years seem to be the big hang-up because if you believe the, the, the Caleb Porter story, it was an extra year in the contract. Uh, I've heard Dominic Kinnear added, uh, wanted an extra year as well. So it's the length of the contract that seems to be the holdup. But So you look at the Galaxy. They're eight days away from Christmas. They're five weeks away from the opening of training camp. If they don't get that done this week, all of a sudden you run into the Christmas week where everything kind of stops. And then after right. that, it's New Year's. So you're probably not going to have any big announcements. You might not even have a whole lot of negotiating going on during that period. That gets us into the, uh, you know, first five, five or six days of January. You know, if the Galaxy don't do it this week, well, you still don't have a coach. And then training camp's right around the corner. That that bodes well for Dominic because I think the closer it gets to training camp, the more the Galaxy you're going to have to say, we need someone who knows the lay of the land. We don't have time to bring somebody up to speed. We're going to bring Dominic Kinnear back, which – I've said all along, he's proven he can win with the the roster, pretty much the roster he has, the core of that roster. I think he would be a good choice. But you're right. He now knows that he's the consolation prize. So if they come back and say, hey, Dom, we'd like to talk to you again about this job. I think Dominic Kinnear has to say, yeah, I'm still waiting for that second year. If you guys are ready to do that, you know, let's sign. Another candidate who may or may not be surfacing, I know it's rumors, but does seem to make a little bit of sense, Miguel Herrera. Uh, the Mexican league season is over. Uh, America just won the championship. He's available now to come. He has a, a relationship with Dennis DeClose. I don't know how 
close they are together. But certainly this was something that might have been talked about before. People say you can't begin negotiations now. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that if Dennis DeClose was interested in Miguel Herrera, they've talked about this already and they may be up to speed. He's a guy that could come in here kind of rapidly and and get started if, in fact, that's where they want to go. But whoever, you're right. Whoever comes in now, they know that the consolation prize, and I think that that strengthens the coach in the negotiations and not the Galaxy who now – are really facing the clock. Yeah, and by the way, it seems interesting that you you talk about years and, and that Dominic Kinnear seems to be wanting that second year and Porter's going to go to Columbus for what we imagine is a third year and not a second year. Um, but I don't know that for sure. That's just sort of the the feeling that I got that a, a two-year deal is sort of on the table for other coaches but not Dominic Kinnear. Um, and maybe that's because they're look. They're saying, you know, this may not be the perfect fit. You were here last year. Does that mean that you're going to transfer over? Again, it's all interesting. You'll see how it all plays out. And if it's going to play out, and it's going to play out rapidly, Kevin, it has to happen. You know, this week by Thursday or Friday. Um, right, or else you wait until after New Year's, and I and that again works to Dominic's favor because you're not going to bring a guy in that doesn't understand what's going on. Another thing that fi- factors into this for me is let's say they, they did say to Dominic Kinnear, okay, one year, that's all you get. You get 2019. Well, guess who Guess who else is probably leaving at the end of 2019? Zlatan. So you get Zlatan's last MLS season. Um, is that why Dominic only gets one year? Or uh, on the other hand, do you say we're going to go with, a, you know, we're going to give Dom one more year. It's not really the coach we want, but uh, we'll give them one year until we figure this out. Remember, they've had since September. This isn't something that they should be working on with a deadline of training camp opening. They should have had an idea where they we talked about this when Ziggy was fired. Remember, the idea of firing a coach is only half of the equation. It's who do you hire uh, to replace that coach? That's the other half of the equation. And it looks like the Galaxy got themselves in a position where they fired the coach and now they can't find somebody to replace him. But, uh, the, you know, the point with Zlatan is do you go with a guy, you say, okay, well, he's good enough. We'll get through the season with this. And I'm not saying that's how I think of Dominic. might be how they think of him. Right. But if if this is Zlatan's last year, um, don't you think you'd rather have the coach in position that you really want, not some guy that just happened to be standing around and, and uh, you know, has a key to the office already? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking now about four weeks from when we anticipate training camp starting right around January 21st or so. Um, that seems to be right around where the Galaxy usually kick off their training camp and where guys will be reporting. So again, it's the 17th of December as we're recording. 21st of January is when we expect that to happen. Transfer window opens on January 1st. You have uh, the MLS Cup, uh, uh, the MLS Super Draft coming up as well. So, I mean, all of these things are, are starting to happen rather quickly. You would like to know what style you're playing and who the coach is. Um, and the, the clock is rapidly ticking. I mean, uh, unfortunately, whenever we talk to Chris Klein... Uh, you know, on election day back in November, it was, you know, mostly talking about the timeline of hiring a general manager. And we think that that whole process probably got delayed by, you know, a certain amount of time just with the fact that the Galaxy had to deal with the Mexican Federation and Dennis DeCloso was trying to wrap up his time with that and just trying to delay all these things. We think that there was probably some some slowness in that deal happening. Well, now you almost had a coach. You didn't have a coach. If you have to go back to square one, which is ultimately if you picked Caleb Porter over everybody else, and now you're 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 saddled with not having Caleb Porter, you have to go back and say, well, did I not look at somebody you know in the right manner, knowing that Caleb Porter was going to be there? Do you take your second next guy, or do you go back out and start interviewing people you haven't interviewed yet? Um, and so all of these questions have to be answered rapidly. And I'm being told the LA Galaxy are and continue to interview coaches, so that's great, well, but. I, I don't what's know your, what that means. <laughs> what's your count on how many days since Siggy was fired? Uh, it's been 98 days. Yeah, almost 100 days since Siggy Schmidt was fired. Oh, okay, and th- th- that's significant to me because I talked to Ziggy shortly after he was let go, and and um, he told me that one of the things they told him in the meeting when they called him over, it was a Sunday meeting, and Ziggy said Sunday, Sunday morning meetings uh, during a bye week are never good. And so when he got called over and they, they let him know that he was being fired, one of the – you know – Ziggy's question was, why now? There's six games left in the season. Why do it now? And they said, we want to get a start on next season already. Well, 98 days later, they really haven't got a start on next season because they don't they haven't replaced Ziggy. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and and that's sort of that's where it goes. But I mean, it, it, again, there's no clear picture. Again, I don't have a clear understanding of what the LA Galaxy are trying to look for. If they were willing to go with Caleb Porter, then what I thought they were trying to go for isn't what I think they were going for. Because uh, to me, 
on the Porter side, I didn't think he was a big enough name. Um, I didn't think that he was some guy who was going to be, you know, transfer transformational in terms of what he was going to do for, for soccer in, in LA. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't like the combination of, you know, Dennis Teclosa, who's this guy who is known for, you know, organizing things from top to bottom, from Academy all the way up to senior team. And we talked a bunch about that, about that on Thursday night's podcast. And in fact, the full uh, uh, audio call, the full conference call that we had with Dennis DeClosa is at the end of that uh, particular episode, so make sure you go back and listen to last Thursday's episode if you want to get the full 45 minutes that we had uh, time with Dennis DeClosa, and you can sort of hear where he stands on all this, but I didn't think necessarily that Caleb Porter was this you know, youth machine slash uh, overall aligner between the you know the bottom of the program, the academy team, and all the way to the top. It, it just didn't seem to fit all that. And I feel like Dennis DeClosa is going to have a different fingerprint than what Caleb Porter was going to be willing to put on this. So I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing in terms of the overall result, but the way that it happened to me leaves a bad taste in my mouth about the LA Galaxy and, and sort of where they're trying to go. But... They did have good news, and it's stuff that you've already reported, Kevin, um, about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We knew he was staying in L.A., and you and I have been just beating people over the head with this for quite a long time. So we knew he was staying, but he did put out uh, a, a video today. The LA Galaxy put out the video. Zlatan tweeted the video, basically the unfinished video or the unfinished business video that they wanted to put out there, which basically highlighted all the chatter that had Zlatan going to AC Milan. It was a great little uh, spot. In fact, there were guys who are saying, oh, this is the last time you know Zlatan Ibrahimovic will be playing for the LA Galaxy. This is the last game he's played, blah, blah, all this stuff. We know he's coming back. Uh, it was a good little spot. Now they're just sort of teasing it out as they go. But Zlatan Ibrahimovic staying in Los Angeles is, is the thing that they needed to do. Um, they needed to get a general manager. They needed to keep Zlatan. They needed to keep Zlatan happy. The fact that they currently have four designated players, or what we imagine to be four designated designated players right now, is is another sort of side thing. But you know, Zlatan staying in in Los Angeles, and that was something that they absolutely had to do. Well, I know that Zlatan's contract is a DP contract, so you're right. It, right now, there are four designated players, and guess what? You can only have three, so someone's has to go. That that's or, not true. That's not true. See this, and I did this on Thursday nights. You're absolutely allowed to have four designated players, Kevin. You're you're how, allowed to have. How do you do that? How does how does that work? You were, the, the rules say three. No, the rules the rules say that you can have a maximum of three on your roster, but that doesn't need. You don't need to have three until the roster compliance date, which is just before the beginning of the season. So they're allowed to have four designated players right now, and they do. Well, they between now and the start of the season, yes. first week of March, they need to either restructure someone's contract, buy out a contract, get rid of somebody. My guess is, and this is. I've heard some chatter that makes me think that I'm right, but my guess is Zlatan's contract is right around $8 million, um, might even be higher. I do know for an absolute certain fact that in 2017, as the Galaxy felt like they were very close to getting Zlatan, that the offer on the table was for the most lucrative contract in MLS history. We know the most lucrative contract up to now is on an annual basis is the 7.1 that Kaká got from Orlando City. So Zlatan's offer was more than 7.1. Um, Zlatan got hurt playing for Manchester United. Um, the Galaxy at that point didn't think that he would, like most people, didn't think that he would return and play at a top level, play at all again. So the Galaxy moved immediately to sign Jonathan Dos Santos, gave away their third DP spot, which, if you remember, they went into the 2017 season with two DPs. They had one open. They, that was open for Zlatan. Zlatan had the offer. They had the DP spot. Nothing they could do about it because he was playing for Manchester City. He was going to come in June. So he gets hurt. The Galaxy signed Jonathan Dos Santos. Zlatan makes a miraculous recovery, starts playing again, uh, and the Galaxy start talking to him. And he's very interested in coming because he's not playing at Manchester. So what happened last year was the Galaxy brought him in for the most they could pay him, $1.5 million. That was the that's top they could go with TAM money. I don't know this for a fact, but I believe at that point, why would Zlatan come? There had to be some sort of a handshake agreement, some sort of a wink and a nod saying, look, come on in. We'll give you some playing time. Let's see if this works out. See if you even like it here. Uh, and then we'll make good on this in the offseason. Give us some time to figure this out. Because they couldn't buy down or, or get rid of a player during the season. So they brought him in. He played at 1.5. Um, he talked a lot at the end of the season about negotiating, talking to the guys. You remember he, was he kept talking about how he was uncertain about whether he was coming back. Then the AC Milan talk started. I think that was all an effort to put the pressure on the Galaxy for Zalat, you know, to, to say Zalatan remembered what you said. You guys said we were going to work this out. 
you guys offered me eight million, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. I want that eight million. And so I think that's how we got to this stage. Uh, I think the galaxy are trying to make good of the promise they made to him. So Zlatan's certainly holding them to that. Um, the money is there. Now it's just a bookkeeping thing. How do you create that open spot? And that's where the headache is coming. Yeah, and and, and certainly, uh, you know, uh, renegotiating contracts seems like if you wanted to keep all four of those players, uh, that you could rene- renegotiate somebody out of the designated player spot and move them down into a TAM spot. Or you can, as we imagine the LA Galaxy are doing, and we've heard reports that, uh, that certainly it seems like that's the case, uh, they are trying to move uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. I don't know if they'll be successful in that, I don't know if they pony up at the end of the transfer window and say, okay, uh, roster compliance date is coming tomorrow. We still have Giovanni Dos Santos. Nobody wants to take him, so uh, I guess we're just going to have to pay out the entire contract uh, for whatever that buyout ends up being at the end of the year, and then he gets to go play wherever he wants to go with, you know, fresh with about 6 to $6.5 million probably in his pocket uh, with all those things. So all these Well, Dennis, the closest, yeah. if you listen to the audio that you, that you put at the end of the Thursday podcast from the press conference, uh, uh, with Dennis DeClosa, he certainly did sound as if he was ready to take Giovanni to the woodshed. He talked about how he has a great relationship with Giovanni, with the family, um, that they've been friends, they have respect for one another. But he did give the indication, and if you listen to that audio, you'll it's 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 a little subtle, but he did seem to say, look, he's a great player. He's had two really bad years. I'm going to sit down with him and talk to him about what his future is and what he wants for a future and what the club wants. And it was basically... If you read between the lines, I got the impression they were going to sit down and Dennis was going to say, look, it's just not working. You either got to move on. We need to restructure your contract. We need to find a way out of this because, uh, you know, we're not going to keep you over Zlatan and this is just not working out. And what do you want to do about this? That's kind of the impression I got. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. There's there's some subtlety to it in, in the fact that he says, you know, as uh, as as you mentioned, that he's family friends with everybody. He knows everybody uh, and he has known Gio for a very long time since he's been growing up. And so you look at all those things and yeah, he knows him, but he, he made a special point to say, but I have to set all that aside. He goes, and I will set all that aside in, you know, evaluating this club and evaluating Giovanni Dos Santos. And he made that, the point was, it was pretty pointed. I think he expected the question. Um, it was an easy sort of one to guess that somebody would ask him about Giovanni Dos Santos and sort of his relationship and what they he thought possibly they could do. Um, so I think he expected the question. He gave the answer that, you know, he probably should have been, which is that he's going to be very critical of it. I don't think, as some people have theorized, Kevin, that bringing somebody, somebody in who had such close association was within, you know, the, uh, the Mexican Football Federation there. Um, it doesn't seem like he has, you know, a soft spot in his heart for Giovanni Dos Santos. Um, and I think he made that, pretty clear in the conference call and that was probably his intent to do so yeah and it, it seems like that you know there's been some some rumors that maybe fc cincinnati might deal for him i, I think that would be a huge that, mistake that was on this, their part yeah I, i've already said that there's no way that one's happening that that's one of those that's such a stretch uh for any sort of reason or imagination that oh well they'll even take giovanni dos santos at a significant discount well yeah i mean if the galaxy are giving them away they might as well give them away to a, you know a liga mx team i don't think they're certainly going to deal them within the league if there is an an outside chance that uh, they'll be able to get maybe even equal money or more money well, um outside. i mean but as a first year team you want a you want a star player you want a marquee player certainly but i think you want someone stable you want a team player you want someone who's going to create an atmosphere and a culture. You want someone like a Carlos Vela, who did, I thought, a great job at LAFC. Or even, you know, Al Marone, a very quiet guy. But that's what Atlanta became, you know, with him there. Um, you don't want a guy like Gio who, you know, could come in and, and, and be a great player, but is not the kind of guy that you want to build your clubhouse culture around. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Well, you have more news about the LA Galaxy and, uh, and re-signing, so why don't, you, uh, oh. why don't you say which one that one is? Yeah, Ralph Felcher has re-signed. I don't know if the ink is dry on the contract yet, but he's re-signed. He made, uh, ba- he made guaranteed uh, salary of 270000 last year. This year, the, the, the new contract... Oh, and by the way, I didn't know this. Maybe right. you didn't know this. He got a 50, apparently got a $50,000 uh, housing allowance Ooh, along with that. Nice. So... Yeah, so this year he's coming back at uh, a, a bit of a discount. It's around $200,000, no uh, housing uh, allowance. That was a one-year thing, first-year thing. But there's plenty of incentives in that contract that could, if he meets all of them, and it's, it's you know, he's a defender, so there's stuff in there about goals and assists, and he's probably not going to reach those, but games played, minutes played. He could get close to what he made last year. He's not going to go on welfare. We know that. 
um, but he's probably not going to make as much as he made last year. Uh, but he is coming back. Um, he's had some advisors that have talked to him and said, look, yes, you could find a home in Europe. You're probably not going to play as much there. You're probably going to be a squad player here. If you come back, you're probably going to play a lot. You know, I, I thought he was pretty good last season and he got better when he came back after the injury. But one of the things that they really push with him is that you have a chance to do some stuff beyond the soccer pitch that you can't do in Europe simply because, uh, you know, the clubs that you might wind up with, you would not be a guy that would be able to go out in the community and have an impact. And so he said, he said one of the reasons that he wants to come back is he wants to be an ambassador. This is his own words. He wants to be an ambassador for soccer in the U S he wants to inspire more kids to play the game. Um, he wants to uh, uh, go out and work in the community. He says, I don't want to be just a pro soccer player. I want to be a pro soccer player and a philanthropist, and I want to help touch the world and make this a better place for my daughter to grow up in. So uh, he has high ambitions off the soccer pitch, but that's what he wants to do. He wants to come back, and he wants to be a part of the community, and he wants to have an impact beyond the pitch uh, on the game and on children especially. Uh, so he's taken a, a bit of a discount to come back and do that because he thinks that's more important than staying in Europe, staying around family, maybe making a little bit more money, but just being a squad player as opposed to coming here and starting 25 or 30 games. Yeah, it was one of those guys who we talked about, Kevin, whenever they declined the option on him, um, that we were pretty rapidly informed that he would be back with the LA Galaxy, or at least that they were working on a contract to get him back with the Galaxy. And again, this is about cost savings. We have mentioned here many times and even asked Dennis DeClosa in his conference call about sort of being squeezed on the cap and, and the Galaxy <coughs> are going to be squeezed on the cap in 2019, Kevin. We know that. Um, we know they're going to have to do some maneuvering in order to make that the way. And, and granted, listen, lots of teams do that, but the Galaxy maybe were a little more, you know, uh, hard, sort of pressed uh, in this 2019 season with some of the contracts they've already signed and with some of the expected raises that were that we've been heard and rumored to see uh, across the club in some of the positions maybe that uh, that the Galaxy had already built in raises to guys who maybe didn't perform in that well in 2018. So you're going to see those raises come in, and you're going to see that money that was used to sign these guys and, and sort of the whole, um, you know, the whole thought behind some of these guys is that they're going to make more money in 2019 than they did in 2018, and that's going to put significant cap pressure on the LA Galaxy going forward in 2019. And and beyond that, we'll have to see. But, I mean, you're seeing contracts now, Kevin, where it used to be that the standard sort of MLS contract was one year plus an option, plus a team option, right? So it was a two-year deal, but the second year was always at the team, uh, always at the team's option. And now we're starting to see more three-year deals, which is two years, you know, sort of with a contract and then that last year being the team option. So you're getting two years plus an option. And that's for even some of the lower level guys. So the two-year contracts that were uh, pretty much standard in MLS are starting to shift to those three-year contracts. And that makes a little bit of difference in how far out you have to plan and what you have to do because these guys are getting guaranteed money in that second year. They're not option years, and that means that you better have done a, a good job with the contract and understand exactly who you have. Otherwise, you have a guy like Perry Kitchen who will see a significant raise in year two, um, and that's guaranteed money in year two where it could have been before with those one-on-one contracts uh something that you could have reset after the after the first year yeah and and i think that's a bad deal for the galaxy i mean yes it, there is the added work of having, having to renegotiate everything after one season but the galaxy it seems to me have really done a poor job of managing their contracts for their coaches and their players and that's why they're stuck in this position that's why they're paying three coaches now and really don't have a permanent full-time head coach and they couldn't go longer on Caleb, which maybe they shouldn't have done anyways. But, uh, and then, you know, with the, they really locked themselves in and painted themselves into a corner with the DPs. They have no flexibility. And you and I talked to, uh, to Chris Klein about that when they signed Jonathan Dos Santos and said, you know, wh what if another guy comes along? What if Leo Messi calls and says he wants to go to Southern California? You guys can't sign him because you don't have a DP spot open. And he said, Oh, you know, we could take care of that. Well, apparently they can't, or at least they haven't. So, uh, the Galaxy, you, you know, I just they don't seem to have planned in any flexibility. They're they're excited about the bright, shiny object of Perry Kitchen will sign him for two years. And then all of a sudden, when they need some money or need a spot, they have to go to players like Ralph Felcher and say, 
hey, you 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 want to come back and be Gandhi at a cheaper rate? And he goes for it. Other players might not go for that. I just I just think the Galaxy are setting themselves up in a position where they don't have a whole lot of flexibility anymore. Yeah, it seems to be sort of uh, uh, coming down that way and, and understanding that. All right. Uh, other news that we have around is that MLS did make official, and it's something you and I had touched on before, Kevin, but they did make official the new playoff schedule. Total number of teams has been increased, uh, and the entire playoff format now is single elimination. This is something that I actually liked. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I know, I know, and you don't like it, so we'll get to see how, how this plays out. I actually like the fact that the the league itself uh, goes from March 2nd to October 6th, so I, I like the shortened league because you don't go all the way through October. You don't have those international breaks in October that sort of split up the season and sort of ruin that you know decision day um, stuff that starts to come down during that time. Um, but there were, they, they at least put out some interesting facts or at least some interesting stats that they wanted to put out with this new playoff schedule. So I'll go over some of those, and then we can we can argue a little bit about it. Um, total number of teams will go up on each conference. So there'll be seven teams from each conference, which of course would have meant the LA Galaxy would have qualified for the playoffs this year as they finished seventh in the Western Conference. Um, that's up from six as of last year. Uh, the single elimination format is now 13 matches. Um, so you get 13 single elimination matches, and the, the only one that I'm upset that is the single elimination is MLS Cup, which I would love for it to be a two-legged series. I may be the only one who's ever like that, but I think yeah, that you would... Can't, you can't do that, though, because of can't. TV. You can't. No, you can't do it. Well, I don't know. They do it in, in Mexico as far as two-legged finals, right? There's other places who do a two-legged final. You could have... Imagine that Fox gets one of the legs and ESPN gets one of the legs as they sort of share this contract, right? I mean, you could do it. It just, again, it would take longer and it sort of splits things out. What this has really done, Kevin, is it has eliminated that break that was in the middle of the playoffs that was saying things that uh, you had the international break that would sort of, you know, stall the momentum of the playoffs and go through it. So uh, one of the stats they put out, uh, of course, is that 67.3% of the higher-seeded teams have advanced in single elimination games, whereas it's just 55.1% of the higher-seeded teams have advanced in a two-legged playoff series. And I believe there were about 78 games that they looked at whenever that the, that went on. So if you're looking for making the regular season a lot more uh, impactful on the postseason, it's the fact that the more games you win and the higher seeding you have is going to significantly increase your chance of winning these single elimination games. And it also means that some of these teams will play their entire playoffs as the home team. Um, and they'll never have to travel on the road. If you are one of the first seeds, by the way, on either side, you get an automatic buy um, into that basically second round. But all of this stuff gets played very, very quickly, Kevin. And as a matter of fact, um, I'm trying to remember when it all wraps up, but you would basically be... November uh, 10th. 10th. No, November 10th. So by November 10th, the entire season is over. You have an MLS Cup champion. That's well, That's something. I talked to Bruce Arena today, and he agrees with you, which means he's also wrong. He likes this a lot. He, the things that he likes is that the, the regular season now means something. He said that, that the, the top teams in each conference getting the, uh, being the only teams that get a bye, he said that's really good because giving the bye to the top two teams takes away a little bit from the team that actually finishes first. It means first is as good as second in, in some ways. So he likes it. He thinks it put more of an emphasis on the regular season. Um, what I like about it, is I like the fact that it's not going to be interrupted by the international break. I think right. that's genius, that, that interrupting the playoffs for the international break, wherever you interrupt. And if you remember one year, they actually interrupted it for 11 days between leg one and leg two of the conference final. That was ridiculous. Right. You even forgot the playoffs were going on unless your team was involved. So I like that. What I don't like is I don't like seven out of 24 teams going. You know, when you look at other leagues, baseball, only a third of their teams go to the playoffs, 10 of of 30. In NFL, it's 12 of 32 teams go. Now, the NBA and NHL have half their teams go to the playoffs. I just think that, you know, Bruce talked about it emphasizing the regular season. I think by by having the seventh place team, by having, uh, I think it's 58% of the teams go to the playoffs, I think that lessens the importance of the regular season. You can sneak in as the seventh team, which you're probably going to have a losing record in most years, and you get in the playoffs. I don't think teams with losing records deserves to be in the playoffs. And here's the other thing I don't like about it. I do not like the single elimination. The reason I don't like that is, um, you know, soccer is a game that is ripe for upsets where uh, a ball bounces uh, by action off some guy's head, winds up in the net. All of a sudden that team hunkers down, parks the bus. They win one to nothing. So a team that 
theoretically set a single season record for points and victories, loses to a team with a losing record in the first playoff game. Um, that just doesn't, I, I don't think that's fair. I like the idea of a two leg playoff because it gives you some uh, room for error. The other thing I like about the two-leg playoffs is if a team reaches the playoffs, if it's one of the lower seeds, it could go all the way and win the MLS Cup final and never play a game in front of its home supporters. And I I just think for the supporters' sake, rooting for that team, spending your money on that team, supporting that team all year long, your team makes the playoffs, it succeeds. I think you deserve – I think those supporters – deserve a home game. So for all those reasons, what I would prefer is I would prefer five teams go to the playoffs instead of seven. Um, th- that way you would play the basically the same amount of games. You'd still have a play-in game. You'd play the same amount of games. You'd play 14 instead of 13. I think it still fits. You'd have uh, the first round would be an elimination game to get it down to four in each conference. Then you play a two-legged semifinal, two-legged conference final. MLS Cup uh, is one game. I just think that gives supporters a chance to see their team play at home in the playoffs. It it makes you have to finish high up in the conference, not seventh, but fifth to get in the playoffs. Uh, and it still allows you to finish in between the two international breaks. So that's that's where I would go. Of course, MLS didn't call me. That's their mistake. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, I, I would say, you know, you talk about the flukes and things like that. It, it seems like there have been more upsets whenever you play a two, two-legged two affair. And we certainly talk about who gets the advantage by playing the first game where um, and who gets the disadvantage by playing the first game here in, a, in those two-legged series. Um, and, and you look at that. But, I mean, the stats basically tell you that in the single elimination games, if you are the higher seed, you have a much, much better chance of winning and moving on than you ever do in a two-legged series as a high as the higher seeded. So it's 67.3% to 55%. Um, that's a huge difference in terms of, you know, just the, the, the stats that sort of lay itself out. So I thought the other interesting thing was that they guessed, and, and yes, it's a guess, um, but the playoff weather could be as much as 10 to 17 degrees warmer on average with the new earlier times in terms of the, the playoffs. So you're getting those super cold nights and you know, where we had, we've had snow before, where, where we've had ice, where it's been ridiculously cold. Um, all of those could be between 10 and 17 degrees warmer, which makes a lot of sense in, in some of those places. I know Sporting Kansas City has been very cold. Um, you look at some of the other, other areas around, you know, New York and, and different things, and you can sort of see that the 10 to 17 degrees makes a difference. And, um, you know, despite what I think that playing the World Cup in November is, is a stupid idea, and maybe that maybe I'm wrong about that, but this new playoff scenario is compatible with that World Cup 2022. Um, uh, I, but don't the, the MLS playoff uh, format will change at least four times between Qatar. Uh, it's that's that's three years away. The MLS has three more seasons to rechange their playoff format. It changes every year. It, it does not change every year. See, you just about you, and, you and, and everybody gonna, else. Th- you and everybody else keep saying that it changes every year. I don't think it's changed since 2012. No, I think in, in 2015, I think they went to. There was some change in 2015. I think it was the 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 play in the playing games became single elimination. I, I looked it up not long ago. In, in 2015, it did change. But um, it, as far as the weather thing, they're absolutely right. You know, having the games played in that poor weather like it was in, was it Real Salt Lake or Sporting Kansas City a few years ago? I think three years ago, it was brutal. It was terrible. I think that is a reason they pulled out of their butt to justify this. I don't think that was part. I don't think that was a big part of the deliberation. I don't think someone said, you know, I'm kind of on the on on the the edge here. I'm not quite sure whether I want to do this. But that weather report, yeah, that's that uh, that's that sold me. I don't think that was a big selling point. I think they're using that after the fact to justify it. But are you going to be the one that tells ACB? Uh, or, or the 3252 over at uh, LAFC, are you going to be the one to tell them, hey, thanks for supporting all the team all year. Now watch the entire playoffs on TV because your team finished in the lower half of the bracket and you're not going to get any home playoff games. I'll tell I'll tell everybody this. Uh, win more games in the regular season and you don't have to worry about it. Imagine that your team is the top in the conference and you get to play every playoff game at home now and never have to worry about watching your team on TV or going to travel. And I would say that if you really wanted to follow your team, you can travel with that team and go that. And I've had... I've I think that's a great experience to go see those other places. This is important because of one thing is that it used to not matter in Major League Soccer when you decided to turn it on. And the LA Galaxy were the beneficiaries of this in 2012, where they finished basically in the last playoff spot and then stormed all the way through and ended up winning 
that MLS Cup. In order to do that now, it's a lot more difficult. Those single elimination games, you can't lose games on the road. Uh, you have to do it. And it's not saying that those lower, that the higher seeded teams or the lower seeded teams aren't going to find the upsets. You are going to have upsets, absolutely. But it's probably going to have to do more with form at the time than it ever did with, you know, overall what happened, you know, in the season and, and how that all shook out. I think this will be really interesting. Some of the most exciting soccer that we got to watch this year were those knockout games. Um, and I remember seeing on Twitter people going, man, maybe we should make all of these knockout games. Well, you're getting that ch- that chance now to see how it goes. And if you are a team that comes on late, you're not going to be rewarded by getting you know, a home game. You're going to have to play on the road now. And if you think you're that good, if your team is in that good of a stretch on that form, then you're going to have to battle all the way to MLS Cup. It doesn't mean you're still not going to have some crazy MLS Cup matches where the sixth seed plays the fourth seed um, you know, for MLS Cup, but it is going to mean that the home field advantage and what the MLS regular season does, in my mind, it means a lot more. So the regular season means that uh, coming out of the gate and stumbling for the first two months of the season isn't going to cut it anymore. Yeah, yeah, but wait a minute. You're saying the regular season means more when you play 34 games in seven months to eliminate 10 teams and 14 go on. How does that make the regular season and, valuable? And, and you know what? And you know why they added the other P, the other team. They're adding another team because they're expecting to add more teams whenever it comes to uh, to expansion because they know they're still expanding and they added more teams that way they'd have the same number of playoff games in total that they had the season before, probably to make sure that all the TV contracts were still the same. So eventually, as you add more teams, you're going to get what you like, Kevin, which is, and, and by the way, I'm in agreement with you. I don't love the fact that they're adding another another team and making it 14 teams out of 28, um, you know, or, or what it will eventually be will be 14 out of 28 instead of 14 out of 24, um, you know, and, and who knows, again, they could add an eighth team whenever we get to that thing. But I understand what they're trying to do, and they needed the same number of games probably for the TV contracts that they've already signed. That's my guess. And they, well, they definitely needed to get the playoffs done between those two international breaks. And, and, you know, they're not going to change the schedule. Unfortunately, they're not going to uh, align with the rest of the world and, and have those international breaks, uh, be vacations for the players that don't get called up. And you can't play your playoffs without your best players. You know, we talked about this before. By definition, the best teams make the playoffs. And by definition, the best teams have the best players who would be called up by their national team. So you're going to play MLS Cup with one team missing three guys because they're off playing for Uruguay or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's a huge deal. I just like the momentum of it, and it should happen pretty quick. Uh, the maximum or the minimum number of rests between the games that everybody will play will be three. So expect uh, these games to come rapid fire whenever they finally do come. So I think, you know, in a way, Kevin, it almost lines it up more toward like a March Madness style um, bracket and, and doing that. And I have a feeling it's going to generate more excitement it's than going to be a sprint to the finish. And it, if it's the team be. gets hot, like, you, you know, the galaxy had that long unbeaten streak, right? That, that would be or in LAFC had a couple of those. You get hot at the right time and you yep. can run the table. Yep, you can. And if you're in the proper position, then that really helps you. If not, you really have an uphill battle now. Having to play on the road a bunch of these games is going to be a nightmare for some of these teams. Uh, and a hot team may get knocked out because they weren't hot until the end of the season and they squeaked into the playoffs. And yeah, they got past that first team that they tried to beat. But, you know, the second team caught them or, you know, all those things are going to happen now. It just, I don't know. This whole playing through leg, the first leg, you know, as sort of a chess match and seeing sort of where things are, are stand after that first game is going to go out the window and it's going to be a free for all, which is you have to win this game. So you better not sit back and think that you're just going to play defense for 90 minutes and make it until you can get back to your stadium to win things. It's full on out war in 90 minutes. And I think maybe that's cleaner. Who knows? I'll probably see it and everybody will list this and I'll see it and I'll be like, this is stupid and I don't like it. And then I'll change my mind. What it comes down to Josh is that you're an elitist and you want the high teams to get all the benefits. And I'm a man of the people and I want my team to play in front of uh, its fans as a reward. I remember. Um, and, and that's what it's, it's a man of the people versus an elitist. And that's, that's, that's what this is all I'm about. Sure there's, I, I liked how, by the way, whenever you were talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, not too long ago, uh, you mentioned that he was playing for Manchester city. I imagine that. Oh that was, yeah. That was a, that, that was a, that was a hopeful, a, a hopeful slip at one point, but, uh, a slip. Yeah. Manchester no. United. I, I thought that was good. So anyway, I, I was waiting I, for a good time. I, to bring 
that up. I, I keep forgetting that there's another team in Manchester. Oh, yes. There it goes. I was waiting for the dig to come at the expense of Manchester United. And there it goes. Uh, the Professional Soccer Referees Association, the PSRA, uh, is in charge of the referees in Major League Soccer. It's their association, and it's their job to deal with PRO, the Professional Referees Organization, um, which it deals with all the referees um, at the professional level uh, for Major League Soccer. And right now, what we're seeing and what we're hearing is that the PSRA, after a National Labor Relations Board ruling, the NLRB ruling, um, that basically PRO has now unlawfully delayed and, and canceled bargaining sessions. Um, so that was sort of the PSRA's charges, um, and they were found to have merit by the NLRB. What this really means is that there is a labor negotiation going on between the PSRA, the Professional Soccer Referees Association, and PRO um, in order to get a new collective bargaining agreement. Now, I know behind the scenes that uh, the reporters were, were hoping that in the new CBA, Kevin, would be something where it would allow us to ask questions about um, you know, the video re re review process, VAR, and, and sort of take that and, and be that. Because right now it's strictly forbidden by the CBA to sort of talk about those things. And there was some optimism that perhaps that would be. But what basically this is coming down to is that the CBA uh, that the PSRA had with PRO expired on January 15th, 29, or expires on January 15th, 2019. Um, and so they've been trying to work at a, a new... Uh, CBA since March of 2018. So you're talking about, you know, a matter of 30 days now, Kevin, where you could be, and it looks right now like it could be likely that the the Professional Soccer Referees Association could actually go on strike. And you remember we had replacement referees at one point earlier, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, whenever our CBA was uh, was not was being worked on in the beginning of the season, was sort of had all of those replacement referees that came in, and there were some arguments about how well that went and how well it didn't go. So all those things sort of came through. This is a bigger deal, once again, that perhaps you could have an actual labor stoppage uh, in terms of the professional referees who, who do all this stuff. So it's just something to sort of keep an eye on. I just wanted to bring it up to everybody's attention because it's not something that's getting a whole bunch of coverage. Well you know what? I, I'm in favor of just going with the honor system, you know, like a pickup game at the park. You know, you just call raise your, own your hand. Fouls. Yeah. Uh -huh. Raise your hand whenever you, hey, he fouled me. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a yellow card. I'm sorry. I get a yellow card for that. Yeah. I, I think that would work great. I think that's perfect. That's what they should do from now here, here on out. So anyway, that's uh, that's something that I, we don't need to go a whole bunch into, but I wanted to make sure that you at least knew it was out there. And it's something that may rear its ugly head as we get ready for the start of the next MLS season. Granted, there's a lot of time between now and then. But uh, right now, the PSRA was granted the ability to organize a strike by the National Labor Relations Board um, after, uh, after their complaint was heard and, and found to have merit. So that's sort of uh, the, the Cliff Notes version of what you needed to know about that. Um, let's go to the uh, to one, uh, one final thing here, just as in terms of the off-season calendar update and what's going on. Uh, the 2018 MLS re-entry draft, the second stage, will take place on December 20th, 2018 at 11 a.m. So coming up just three days uh, from when we are recording this show on the 17th. Um, so look at that. Look for that coming up. That's Thursday. Four off-season drafts. Yeah, I was going to say one of four. You're absolutely right. One of four off-season drafts that have uh, that have been coming around. This is actually this is the the second to last one because I think we have this one, Kevin, and then we go the super draft. The super duper draft. The super duper draft. So that's sort of where we sit right now. So the complete list of players eligible for selection in the stage two draft uh, should be coming out on December nineteenth at seven p.m. Um, that's what we're 7 p.m. Eastern time, by the way. So 4 p.m. So we'll uh, keep an eye on you. Of course, you head over to Corner of the Galaxy for that off-season tracker. Uh, and that's where I usually list those players whenever that stuff is announced. Who, who determined it was a super draft as opposed to like a pretty good draft or a mediocre draft or a so-so draft? Who decided it was super draft? That seems a little bit over the top. It, it's the same thing that we sort of talked about whenever like somebody came up with the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, that was that was really the same sort of general idea there. The Super Draft and the Super Bowl. And that's why it's super. Uh, I do don't you know. know? Do you actually know where the Super Bowl name came from? No. And it I think from I, this, it came from that. You you are far too young to remember this, but there used to be a, a toy called the Super Ball. It was a yes. rubberized ball and you bounce it, it would go really high. And uh, I think it was actually Lamar Hunt, who has a history in MLS, was one of the original uh, AFL owners. And his child was playing with a Super Bowl. They were trying to think of a name for the game. And 
he asked what she was playing with, and she said it's a Super Bowl, and then he thought Super Bowl, and that's where the name comes from. Well, there you go. Another history lesson from uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter. No, I did actually know that. I knew as soon as you would tell it that I would remember the story, but um, I thought maybe I was making that up in my head about the Super Bowl because that sounds ridiculous that that's the actual reason. Yeah, Manchester City probably had something to do with it. I imagine uh, Caleb Porter was right there for you. Um, yes. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get to before? Yes. Yeah. One small thing, um, and uh, I, I can't say too much about it because I've kind of been sworn to secrecy how I know all this, but um, just because everyone's been asking, um, Ziggy Schmidt is apparently doing better. Um, I can't really say any more than that. Uh, I believe that he is still in the hospital. His family really has been trying to keep a wrap on how much information comes out. And I'm going to respect that. But at the same token, he's the winningest coach in MLS history. He's a three-time Hall of Famer, um, twice in the National Soccer Hall of Fame for different things, once at the UCLA Athletic Hall of Fame. He is a public figure. A lot of people out there care about him. So I just want to pass along that he appears to be doing better. He has a long way ahead of him, but things are moving in the right direction. So uh, please uh, excuse me for not being able to discuss that more, but the family has asked, that not uh, information not be shared publicly, but I think you deserve to know at least that much. Yeah, so uh, I mean, a little bit of, of good news coming from there. I'll say the other thing that we wanted to touch before we got out of here was uh, two things, uh, and one is Galaxy Alumni News former associate head coach Ooh, yes. of the LA Galaxy, Dave Sarakin, uh, who was the, of course, the interim U.S. men's national team manager, has joined North Carolina FC, formerly the Railhawks, who used to beat up on the Galaxy all the time in U.S. Open Cup as head coach. Um, so he will be joining North Carolina FC, um, and I think the press conference is announced uh, sometime next week or, or January third is the official press conference. Uh, they're going to wait for the holidays to pass. Now, uh, t- our typical alumni news involves stalking ex-wives or girlfriends. None right. of this apparently involved with Dave, as far as we can tell. Yeah, upstanding citizen that Dave Sarakin is. So I would uh, it would be shocking if any of that came out. But no, Dave, uh, this is good news. I'm a little surprised Dave didn't find a place in Major League Soccer. Um, he went from you know, managing the U.S. men's national team down to a U.S. alkyl side. Um, but Dave Serkin is ridiculously talented for what he does, so uh, wouldn't be surprised if uh, Dave has all the success down there in North Carolina. And the other thing I wanted to get to was the one rumor update that we sort of had, the, the Carlos Salcedo one. Um, now, the whole reason this came across, came up is because uh, Dennis DeClosa on his Instagram account apparently mentioned uh, Carlos Salcedo in a comment to Carlos, and it was basically, you know... My translation is rough, but it was like, hope to have you here. But it was it doesn't necessarily have to mean exactly that. And so everybody sort of took that to mean that, you know, Carlos Salcedo would possibly be coming to the LA Galaxy. Kevin, you and I pretty much squashed that pretty quickly as fast as we could. Uh, Salcedo plays for Frankfurt in Germany. Uh, he's a Mexican defender, so a Mexican national team player as well. Um, and he would be a designated player probably if he would come anywhere. And I think he has a contract with Frankfurt through like 21 or 2022, something like that. So it, yeah, it just he, seems like he's a, a, a Mexican national team defender in his prime. Um, I actually talked to him earlier this year, just, uh, uh, by coincidence. And we talked a little bit about what it was like going from, I think he was in Italy before that, but basically from Mexico to Germany with the weather and the food and everything else. And he told me he was enjoying Germany and was looking forward to being there for several years. Uh, doesn't sound like a guy that was on his way out. Now, he did have injury problems after the World Cup, and he missed a couple of months with Frankfurt. He is playing. He played last weekend. He is back. I'm guessing that's probably what Dennis was referring to in the message was more to the signs of glad to see you back there playing, hope to see you back in Mexico with the national team now that you're healthy and playing again. I'm sure it was something like that. I mean, the Galaxy don't have right now, I know they have until March because you just told me that, but they don't have right now a designated player spot for Zlatan. So they're not going to go looking for one for Carlos Salcedo, although some people might argue that that might actually be a better use of the DP spot as a de- for a defender. But Carlos Salcedo is a... A at his prime, top level international defender playing in the Bundesliga, making a lot of money, and is from all uh, things that he told me, very happy in Germany. So I do not expect to see him here this season. Yeah, if at uh, all. Yeah, I was going to say that one. I expect to see Pato uh, before I see. Uh, but I, I, having said that, though, I do think we are going to see. Um, remember, the Galaxy, the only team without a South American player on their roster, uh, they have a couple of Mexicans. I do expect to see. Um, some players coming up from Mexico and South America under Dennis. I, I definitely do think that will happen. It, they, they could be top Mexican players, um, probably not DPs for a while, 
But, yeah, I do expect that Dennis is going to use his relationship with Mexico and the Mexican Federation to get some players up here. I definitely think that's going to happen. Yeah, Carlos Salcedo is not going to be one of them, though. Th- that feels like it, uh, it. it is a certainty, and I certainly think that's one of the reasons the LA Galaxy wanted to get uh, Dennis Tecolosa, uh, you know, in as general manager, that he has those connections around the world, especially with, uh, you know, south of the border with Mexico and possibly some of those uh, South American teams as well. So uh, a very interesting sort of week for the LA Galaxy coming up. We'll see if any other news breaks i know of uh one possible signing that could get announced here um in the relative future uh no big deals but we'll see if we can uh, get you more information on that head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com where you can go through all of our off-season trackers and all that fun stuff so make sure you do that kevin anything else uh, you want to get to before we're done no i think that's probably it all right if you're looking for mr kevin baxter on twitter it's at kbaxter11 uh, and of course head on over to LATimes.com, where you can find all of Kevin's Kevin's coverage of soccer in Southern California, uh, covering the U.S. men's national team, the women's national team, uh, basically any soccer that's in the United States. They almost always make Kevin go do it. Maybe if there's drag racing and something else, they'll send him to. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can find our podcast, all the news that you want to know about the LA Galaxy, and of course, that off-season tracker. All right, I think that about does it. No show right now planned for next Monday as it's Christmas Eve. No show planned for the Monday after that because it's New Year's Eve. If there's any breaking news, Kevin and I are going to figure out a way to get in front of mics, but they probably won't be on those assigned days. So just keep a heads up for that, and we'll do our best to keep you informed. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, the Panda, I'm Josh Gessman, Pato, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.